The heroic figures that come across our TV screens or even that we would see in the cinema, do you remember when we used to be able to go there? Heroes of all different kinds, all different special powers and so on. And one thing they have in common is that none of them are gentle. They have courage and strength and power, maybe some recklessness about them and certainly sometimes a ruthless streak. But gentleness? Reporters win awards for all kinds of tenacity of investigative journalism, their bravery in uncovering a story and pushing the boundaries to get truth. Didn't need gentleness to do that. And we live in a very abrasive society. Social media is awash with folk making terrible comments and posting hurtful things. People cry, sack him, sack her. She must resign with monotonous regularity. Even the whole way our parliament functions, sitting on opposite sides, lobbying insults rather than arguments across at each other, all very confrontational and in such a way that you imagine how can someone with gentleness survive there, far less thrive. And if anything, recent events underline that this is a world with little place for gentleness. At the drop of a hat, mobs appear in the streets, shouting, sloganeering as the chosen way to communicate. Graffiti and vandalism. Now, there are, of course, exceptions, such as Patrick Hutchinson, the black man who carried a far-right white protester to safety in London last weekend. But instances like that stand out for being all the more exceptional. And in a world where gentleness is not obvious, in a world where gentleness is not heralded and not sought after, Christians ought to be standing out, for gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit. And when Paul gives that list of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5 at verses 22 and 23, he is not saying that these are the Spirit's different fruits and we all will have some of them. He says that on a few occasions when he's talking about the gifts of the Spirit. There are different gifts. Some have this gift, some have that gift, some are given another gift. But when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit, he, he says quite deliberately in Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit, not fruits. For every Christian is meant to have all of them. We're not at liberty to say, well, of course I'll do joy, but no, gentleness can be somebody else to do. And we're not allowed to say, well, I don't mind working at being more patient, but no, I'm not going to do gentleness. All Christians are to be people in whom all of the fruit is growing, for it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and the work of the Spirit is to grow the life of Christ in us. And when we look at these different fruit of the Spirit, we're not talking about just our natural qualities. By nature and personality, some of us are more patient than others. Some of us, by, by nature, are better at being reliable and faithful. But the very fact that the fruit is for, are for all Christians, and that it's the Spirit's work to grow this fruit, 
makes it clear that it is not our natural traits that the apostle is talking about. He's talking about the life of Jesus being grown in us, about the Holy Spirit being in work in us to make us more like Christ. And so, when we come to gentleness, we're not talking about the natural instinct that some people might have to be meek and quiet. We're not talking about something that is weak and flabby and will go along with anything, put up with anything. It's not about some innate niceness that some people have more than others. Gentleness as a fruit of the Spirit is something that is compatible with great strength. And church history is littered with stories of heroes of the faith who certainly were meek and gentle, but who weren't the least bit weak. In fact, many of them were martyred for their faith in Jesus. And of course, there's the example of Jesus Himself combining gentleness, combining humility and meekness with great strength. And yet the be strong, affirm yourself, grab your rights, you deserve this and that of our culture is so pervasive, so strong and subtle that it's infected the church as well. There are instances in which church leadership has taken on such an authoritative and dominant style that gentleness has been thrown to the wind. Then again, some are so determined in their um, quest to share their faith in Jesus that they do so in a, in, a, in a dominant kind of manipulative kind of way. Can we really bombard or argue or force or bully anyone into the kingdom of God? No, we can't. Did Jesus try to do that? No, He didn't. Jesus did not get aggressive or belligerent when people didn't believe Him or accept what He was saying. Jesus didn't get aggressive or belligerent when His enemies tried to trick Him or when they falsely accused Him. Jesus did not bully or belittle other people, and in fact, He made time for those whom others in society had bullied and belittled and rejected. He was patient and Gentle, too, with his own disciples, as the conversation with Peter that we read from John chapter 21 shows. Our reading began at verse 15, but earlier in the chapter, we had seen Jesus appearing to the disciples, he on the shore while they were out fishing, and he helped them to a miraculous catch. So that verse 7, they recognized, even though they were in the boat and the stranger was only dimly on the shore in the distance, they recognized, it's the Lord. Who else does this kind of thing? And Jesus' warmth and gentleness was seen, verse 9, in His getting the barbecue going before the rest of the disciples pitched up. That is, when the risen Jesus came to these disciples, He didn't first of all give them a lecture he gave them a meal. And then in conversation with Peter in verses 15 to 19 that Dorothy read for us, Jesus took Peter back to his denying Jesus three times when Jesus was on trial at the high priest's house. In John chapter 21, just as it had been in the high priest's courtyard on that night of Jesus' arrest, Peter was gathered with some others around the charcoal fire. 
Jesus' question to him this time, verse 15, do you love me more than these, was a reference back to Peter saying that. Because when Jesus had said to his disciples that he would be arrested and that they would run away and desert him, there was Peter saying, no, no, no me, I'll never do that. All these others might, but I love you too much to do that, Jesus. And so, as Jesus said in verse 15, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these Peter knew what Jesus was saying and referring to. And in fact, the fact that Jesus addressed him as Simon, Simon, son of John, was itself a reminder to Peter of his old self, reminder of his, using his old name, as if, Peter, you've not lived up to the responsibility of being the rock which your new name means. And then, most obviously, of course, Jesus asks three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? A clear reference back to the three times that Peter had denied Jesus on the night of his arrest. There's a gentleness here, isn't there, about the way that Jesus dealt with Peter? Oh, we might think at first it would have been kinder not to have mentioned it. Don't bring up what happened when Peter denied Jesus. But if Jesus had not brought that up, how would Peter ever have known that he was forgiven? In years to come, when things were not going so well, maybe when Peter was put in jail for his faith, he might have started thinking, now this is the Lord punishing me for that time that I denied him. Now, God's not like that. God doesn't work in that way. God doesn't hold those kind of grudges and, and dish out those kind of punishments and judgments for these specific things that we've marked up. But when, when, when we're in the middle of trouble, when, when we're burdened, when things are not going right, then we instinctively reach for a reason that, that blames ourselves. Oh, it's because I did this. It's because I let that happen. So, in fact, here's Jesus being merciful with Peter. Here's Jesus being gentle with Peter as he brings up that night of failure to say, look, Peter, I know all about it, and it's all right. Jesus is still welcoming Peter's love for him. He's letting Peter know that he's forgiven and loved. And he, he says to Peter in verse 19, follow me, the, the same call that Jesus first gave to Peter back in Mark chapter 1 at verse 17. So, it would not have been kind if Jesus had ignored um, Peter's failure. Peter needed to know that the, the relationship had moved beyond that, that he was forgiven, and that the Lord still had a calling and a purpose for Peter's life. But he gets to know that in a way that restores him. He gets to know that not because he's given this ticking off, not because he's given a hundred lines to do, not because he's given some detention to make him learn his lesson. No, there's a gentleness as Jesus restores Peter to that fellowship, fellowship with himself. So, Peter, the failure 
became Peter the forgiven through the gentleness of Jesus. And when next we meet Peter in the early chapters of Acts of the Apostles, we see that this gentle restoration by Jesus was very effective. For there we see Peter out with a boldness saying that Jesus is Lord, the very same Peter who had wilted before the innocent question of a servant girl while he was gathered around the fire at the, at the high priest's house. That same Peter, because Jesus had in gentleness built him up again, is able to be out saying Jesus is Lord even to the very people who had crucified the Messiah. And that lesson stuck with Peter for the rest of his days. And so that much later, when he was writing the first of his two letters that we have in the New Testament, writing to a church that was suffering and struggling and being persecuted, he's encouraging them. And he says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Have Christ as Lord in your hearts. Be ready with your arguments. Be ready to give a reason. But always, he says, with gentleness and respect. Sometimes I've come across Christians kidding themselves on that people have rejected the message about Jesus because it's of the offensiveness of the gospel. And well, yes, a message about the free grace of God is something that does clash with human sensibilities and will not always be welcomed by people. But sometimes it's not been the message, but the way that we tell the message that has put people off. A lack of gentleness and respect is just as much disobedience as not speaking up for Jesus at all. And when, as in the case in these verses with Jesus and Peter, when we are dealing with another believer, we should seek to challenge and correct one another in a way that helps, in a way that rescues, not in a way that crushes. Notice that it's not Jesus-like simply to try to bury the issue and not bring it up. But nor should we go and follow the example of our abrasive society, which often seems that challenging and correcting one another has to be right, involve writing the other person off. We should be able to question and build one another up and help without resorting to the kind of insult or the kind of approach that makes others defensive and want to fight back. You know, in our abrasive world, there is plenty of scope for the church to make and model the firm but gentle way of Jesus. And for us, like Peter, the way of reaching, the way of getting to this is knowing that we are forgiven sinners. In the first place, realizing that we cannot save ourselves. We have no reason to be asserting ourselves before God and telling God what He should do. Like Peter, we are to follow and follow verse 19 regardless of where that might lead. Peter was told, 
but death was ahead as he followed Jesus, that he too would be persecuted and indeed killed for his faith. For the people of God, we are to leave everything in God's hands. Ourselves, our rights, our cause, our future, these are all to be left in the hands of God, even if, or maybe that should be especially if, we feel that we are suffering unjustly. Oh, we might think or wonder, but if we do that, folk will walk all over us. If we do that, we'll be sidelined in this ruthless grab-for-yourself society. So, it comes down to whether or not we believe or trust Jesus. It comes down to whether we will love and trust Jesus. We can't say, come Lord Jesus, but none of this growing the fruit of gentleness stuff. I'm going to be out there fighting with the rest of them. If we say that, think that, try that, then we're simply kidding ourselves on and not following Jesus at all. And if we say that, think that, try that, It's Jesus that we're letting down. Jesus who said in love, follow me. And Jesus who, through his Holy Spirit with and amongst us and growing the life of Christ in us, is giving us the wherewithal that was sufficient for Peter, that was sufficient for Jesus himself, and indeed sufficient for all who have stepped out in loving faith and obedience. Let us pray. Lord, too often we have been ready to take your gospel about love and not being dominated by the grace and love of God, but ourselves have wanted to be part of the dominating people. Forgive us. And help us learn gentleness. And to place gentleness alongside love and joy and peace and forbearance. Kindness, goodness and faithfulness. That we might be more and more Christ-like. For our good. And for your glory. Amen.